Now you truly can rewrite your future with these powerful prevention techniques. Going from feeling hopeless in your health to feeling confident. To bring information and unleash the potential of our listeners to ask the right questions. It's my responsibility to take control of my own health. Welcome to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. Welcome to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. My name is Nikki Mackey, the producer for the show, and today I have the honor of introducing one of the hosts, Patty Dematis. Patty will be sharing her personal why as part of our personal story episode series. Patty Dematis is a dental hygienist with over 40 years of experience and is currently the patient liaison for the Heart Attack and Stroke Prevention Center of Central Ohio. She is a founding member of the American Academy for Oral Systemic Health, a preceptor for the Bail Donine Method, and the founder of Dental Hygiene Excellence, a coaching company focused on teaching clinicians how to implement oral systemic care into their practice since 1997. Today we ask, why is diabetes an epidemic in this country? And with all that said, welcome Patty. Thank you so much, Nikki. I'm happy to be here. Um, this is one of my favorite topics. Uh, wouldn't Well, maybe it's not my favorite topic, but I certainly am very sensitive to it because I deal with it every day and um, I want to help everybody. I mean, I can hardly have a conversation with my neighbor without talking about diabetes. So um, as a patient liaison, as you mentioned, at the Heart Attack and Stroke Prevention Center of Central Ohio, we deal with patients every day who want to prevent having a heart attack or stroke. Uh, whether it's their first one or their second one. And what we know is that 73% of people who have cardiovascular disease have insulin resistance, which is the first stage of diabetes, and they don't even know it. So I want to talk about that today. And then also we know that patients who have had a heart attack, 66% of them have diabetes. So we know that it's such a bi-relational disease with cardiovascular disease. And then as a hygienist for over 40 years, I know that we have been looking at diabetes in the mouth and it complicates the oral health so much. And it, the main thing that we, te- we uh, treat every day is periodontal disease, which is an infection. And our patients who have periodontal disease or periodontal infection um, also have diabetes. And so being a bi-relational condition, it's hard for our patients who are diabetic to fight the infection because they can't do that. Um, And so they can't get their perio under control. But the great news about that is that if we do get their periodontal disease under control, or I should say when we get it under control, um, then that will help them with some of their tests for diabetes, uh, reduce the number by a whole point. And this is huge. If you know a diabetic and you tell them that, they'd be like, oh my gosh, that would be awesome because it's so hard for me to get my diabetes under control. So yeah, I need to know if my mouth is healthy. So we've been looking at that for years and knowing that there's a huge connection. And then my personal story is that I'm a statistic. I was insulin resistant for so many years and didn't know it. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. But the statistics, um, as of 2018, um, we know that there's about 34 million Americans, which is like one out of 10. So if you're in a room full of 10 people, at least one person's diabetic. And I'm going to say it's probably more than that. And 7 million of those people don't even know that they have it. And uh, main reason for that is that um, there's 
like 88 million, which is another statistic. It's so hard to get your mind around, but like one out of three people are pre-diabetic. That means they're on their way, which is what I was. I was on my way to being full-blown diabetic. And so we know that it's happening every year for younger people. And every year we have like 1.5 million new cases diagnosed. So it's a huge epidemic in this country and we've got to do something about it. So I think the reason, the real reason we, we you said, you know, why is it an epidemic? Um, pre-diabetes is the first stage and it's a, definitely a silent disease and it's more than just one condition. There's a lot of things that work um, in our bodies that cause this disease and it can, the insulin resistance or pre-diabetes can smolder for 10 to 20 years. And what it does is it damages all of our vessels in our heart and our, um, in our eyes and our extremities. I think some of our listeners probably know, um, some diabetic patients or family members or whatever that have either had eye problems and, or even as um, dramatic as having a limb amputated because of those micro vessels that get our extremities um, that get damaged. And we have major issues with those things. Um, Diabetes and insulin resistance are both driven, no doubt, by sugar and starch um, in our diets. And of course, we all fight that. We try to not do that. Um, But it's hidden. It's in everything. Um, High fructose corn syrup is the first ingredient in a lot of products. So it's really hard to watch that, even if you know you need to or you know you have to. Um, And the disease affects everybody differently. Um, it's certainly influenced by our genetics and our lifestyle, uh, whether that's diet or exercise or whatever. Um, but we're also missing the diagnosis by not using the right tests. And our healthcare system is just doing us a huge disservice by not being preventive in this um, area. Diabetes is a very dangerous disease. It's very inflammatory. It drives all of the inflammation in our bodies that cause heart attacks, strokes, Alzheimer's, all of those inflammatory diseases, cancer, um, because of the damage that it does. And it can, it's even the main cause of TIAs, which are small strokes, little strokes that people have sometimes and don't even know it because they don't have any uh, symptoms after that. But having uh, insulin resistance or diabetes makes you three times more risk for stroke, the big stroke. Um, and so, and, it, and it, like I said earlier, it causes a huge challenge to fight any kind of infection in their bodies. And uh, it really plays a part in the control of cholesterol, blood pressure, gut health. So I feel like a lot of people um, don't even realize, you know, it's like so many people have diabetes and what's the big deal? So it is a huge big deal. And I just want to talk about that a little bit today, just to uh, create some awareness with people uh, that are listening in. And um, the good news is that if we find it early enough and shut it down, which we can, which rumor has it we can't, but we absolutely can if we find it early enough. Um, and so the way we do that is with a special test. So I want to talk about that just a little bit. 
first of all, disease is not, I mean, diabetes is not a sugar problem until later on. It it certainly, uh, like I said, has a lot of influence on it, but it's not really a sugar problem. It's more of an insulin problem. And it's because our bodies just either can't use the insulin or, um, so the insulin is a hormone that's that's, um, released by our pancreas in response to the sugar that's in our bloodstream. And it's kind of like a key. Insulin is the key to the lock and our cells are the lock. And so the insulin has to open the cell so that the glucose that we need so badly for cell function can get in. So in type one diabetes, I know you've a lot of our listeners know people who have type one, and that's really um, sort of different from type two, which we talk about mostly. But type one is an autoimmune condition, and it actually happens when the body attacks its own self. It, it attacks our pancreas uh, with antibodies, and then that organ gets damaged, and then it just doesn't make insulin. So that's a different problem from type two. Type two is when our pancreas usually creates insulin. Okay. But either it's not enough or our body just doesn't know how to use it. So it's that lock and key thing. The, the uh, insulin, just the, the lock, the cell just doesn't know how to use the insulin. So that causes a problem. But insulin resistance is our chance to make a difference. And we just have to know what insulin resistance actually means. And it's actually when you have insulin, but your body just doesn't respond. And it can go on, like I said earlier, for 10 to 20 years. So um, the fasting blood test, fasting blood sugar test that we normally do for our doctors every year um, is just measuring after you fast for 12 hours, where is your uh, blood sugar level? How much blood sugar is floating around in your, in your um, body? And that number should be less than 125. It should be less than 99, excuse me. And so if it's over 99, um, then it certainly, we, we call that prediabetes until it gets to be like 125. And then we call that diabetes. So unfortunately, um, most most of our healthcare doesn't kick in until we actually get the diabetes um, diagnosis. So insulin resistance, I want to talk about pre-diabetes is totally reversible. Um, it increases silently for over 20 years. So we don't really, or it can 10 to 20 years. We don't even know it. It's driving inflammation all of that time and damaging everything. So in order to prevent it, we just need to find out earlier. And the way we do that was with the right testing so that we can control on a um, individual basis. Like what do I need to do to control my um my path, as you might say, as of going uh, toward full-blown diabetes, which is definitely where I was. So the standard of care typically, like I said, does just the blood, the fasting blood sugar test. And we can pass that. We can actually um, cram for that test, if you say, if, um, as they say, um, by thinking, oh my gosh, I have to have my blood sugar tested on Thursday, so I'm not going to eat any sugar for two days. And uh, we can do that, right? And the body can actually take care of that. That that's, It can look pretty good. Like your fasting blood sugar number can be okay. Um, and the doctors won't say anything to you about it, but then you're not living that way every day. Um, then the other test that sometimes 
is run um, not often uh, until we're diagnosed with diabetes. They don't use the A1C. Our listeners may have heard about A1C. And certainly if we have diabetic listeners, they know exactly what that is and how hard that is to control. Um, but that's really only used to monitor. It's not, again, a way to diagnose. So the only true way to diagnose if you're high risk for becoming diabetic um, and you're already insulin resistance is what we call a two hour glucose tolerance test. And that is not typically done um, because we just, just wait for the number to get high and then we test. Um, so that's just really too late. Um, so when that blood sugar test shows that you're not managing the way they do that is they do a blood draw like at the heart attack and stroke prevention center that's certainly one of the tests that we run right away on our patients in the initial assessment and um, that when when um, when the patient comes in we do a, a fasting blood sugar test so that's one number should be less than 100 and then we give them this yummy drink that's um either lime or orange which neither one of them very good and i would tell people use a straw it makes it go down easier but we drink that whole 75 grams of, of glucose. I mean, it is sugary syrupy. And then we want to see how our body can handle that. So there's a one hour um, number that really is important for diagnosis and then a two hour number. So when we know that, then we know if you're insulin resistant or not. So my story starts with a long time ago, uh, 2011, I actually, like you said, became a founding member of AOSH. It was one of our first meetings of the American Academy for Oral Systemic Health. And it was the first time that we had heard Dr. Bale and um, Dr. Donine speak about arterial disease. And um, they had us at lunch do a carotid intermedia thickness test. And Knowing my family history, I, I tell people, oh, yeah, my genetics are there for sure. I have bad genes for heart disease. Nobody was ever actually diagnosed, but I know looking back, they probably did have diabetes because we ate our dessert before our meals in case we didn't have room, right? So we were, we were uh, not the best with our diet for sure. But um, so when I at lunchtime had, a, had my carotid artery checked for early arthrosclerosis, um, the sonographer said, yeah, I'm seeing inflammation in your artery. Um, how's your blood pressure? And I said, oh, you know, I've, I've been on blood pressure medication for a long time and, um, you know, it stays, it stays okay. I think, I mean, I don't really check it that often, but I think it's okay. He said, well, um, wonder what's causing you to have high blood pressure. And I said, oh, I'm sure it's my genetics, right? And he said, well, what's your blood sugar like? And I said, oh, I do well with that as well. I mean, I every year when I have my blood work done, my physician will even write a little, a little note on my uh, result page and say, oh, great results, great job, you know, wonderful labs, whatever. Um, he said, well, what was your last A1C? And I said, my goodness, um, I don't know what that is. And, and as a hygienist, I was kind of embarrassed because like, I probably should know what A1C is. Um, but I didn't. And he said, well, that's the way you handle your sugar over three months time. So go back and ask your physician just to check that. And they probably won't want to. He said, you'll have to beg for that. 
And so um, I went back to my physician and I said, you know, rumor has it that I have inflammation in my artery wall. I have early atherosclerosis forming. And so they suggested that it could be because of my blood sugar and that my blood sugar could actually be driving my blood pressure problems. And she just sort of started looking through my chart back, you know, through the history of my chart. And she was like, well, honey, you don't really need an A1C. You, your fasting blood sugar numbers are always okay. Um, you know, you're around a hundred usually. And so we actually took a closer look and I was around a hundred about 10 years ago. And then I went to about 101 and 111 and 115. Well, I wasn't 126 yet, so nobody said anything. So when I had the CIMT scan, which is what we do to pick up the earliest um, heart disease or stroke uh, risks, I found out that I had something driving inflammation in my artery. And when I got my A1C result back, I was actually at 6.2, which was pretty doggone high. And I don't have that buzzword. Um, a lot of us feel like diabetic patients are overweight. And if, you know, well, they're not overweight, so what, they wouldn't be diabetic. And that's just not true. And we know that, again, because it's an insulin disease, not, a, um, not really a sugar disease. Um, but so mine was high. And um, I, you know, my doctor um, called me and said, oh, my goodness, I, I can't believe your A1C is 6.2. Um, so you are pre-diabetic until 5.6. So anything... Um, 5.6 or higher, you are uh, pre-diabetic, and then 6.2 is certainly uh, diabetes. So um, I flunked my two-hour glucose test. I couldn't uh, manage that syrupy drink, and it's been a real struggle for me um, for the last few years. And what I know is there, it's real interesting. You know, we talk about COVID and um everything's so bad about COVID. It's really thrown us for a loop for the last year and a half. Um, but one good thing that came from COVID is that a lot of our population wearing a mask discovered that they had an odor from their mouth. And so two good things about that. One is we know breath odor is a symptom of bad oral health or um, problematic oral health. And we also know that people with insulin resistance will have a funny odor. It's like a fruity odor or um, it's, it's just a real different odor. And a lot of times when people were putting on masks, they were saying, geez, I got to have a mint or something under my mask because I have this odor. Well, awareness. So awareness was wonderful that some people probably went to their dentist and said, you know, I'm noticing an odor and it could have been, it can be poor oral health and we'll find out what's driving that. A lot of times it's periodontal disease because 88% of the population has periodontal disease and they don't know it. Again, periodontal disease can be something that's overlooked. So that, or it can be a total symptom of blood sugar being off. So that's a good thing that happened with COVID, um, as we call it the mass breath. And uh, so it's two ways that people might have discovered a problem that they can certainly turn around. So for me personally, I did find out that I was insulin resistant and I really had to do something about it. And 
working with my diet for years, trying to find the right diet to be on, um, I had some misconceptions. And uh, when I really looked at my diet, I was totally overcarving myself, thinking that I was eating healthier than I was. And um, I actually lost 20 pounds, which some people would be like, oh, you didn't need to lose weight. But I did just from, I think, changing my diet for sure. And we know that um, an exercise program is so beneficial um, to control blood sugar. So I started doing um, at the recommendation or the, I should say the directives of my doctor, um, an HIIT routine. And we know that if we do um, a little bit more of intense workout uh, every day, or at least three or four times a week, that our blood sugar is much easier to control. So I feel like that, um, you know, just my personal struggle is daily. It, It is every day. I see patients every day who struggle. And so um, the people that come into the Heart Attack and Stroke Prevention Center, um, absolutely. I mean, the statistics say 73%, I would say 99% of our patients have diabetes and or insulin resistant and do not know it. It's a total shock. So out of this episode today, I would just love to make sure that the the question that everybody on this podcast today needs to learn to ask um, is, you know, why don't we do a two-hour glucose tolerance test for me to determine my risk for diabetes in the future? That's the ask why question from this episode. And um, our next episode is going to be so exciting because I'm going to be actually talking with Dr. Gina Pritchard. um, And she is a heart attack and stroke prevention physician. um, And so you'll want to not miss that uh, to see the more more of the science and more about um, diabetes and and control. So Nikki, today, the main thing, The main message that I want to get out, like I said, is that I want our listeners to know that if they feel they might be high risk, even because of a family history or not, don't think if you are not particularly overweight or you don't have a family history that you are not at risk for having either insulin resistance now um, and becoming diabetic in the future. This disease is absolutely treatable. It's reversible. So find out. Um, The diagnosis is missed so much like we talked about that you want to have the right test. It's certainly based on individual health, individual um, genetics and lifestyle. And, um, you know, just because you don't have the common symptoms, don't think that you don't need to ask why your physician hasn't done a two-hour glucose tolerance test for you to just make sure that you are not at risk for becoming diabetic in the future. You don't want to become a statistic. Thank you so much, Patty, for sharing your story. Like Patty mentioned, join us next time as we ask, why are so many people becoming insulin resistant? And don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss an episode. And follow us on social media. You can find us at Ask Why Medicine on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us. And in the meantime, ask why. Why?